Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Mark Lenzi and Kim Simone, and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. again and welcome back to the wonderful world of wine every week mark and i bring you trending topics from the wine world and we absolutely love visiting with you all every week and how are you today mark everything is good kim always great talking wine today excellent what do we have first we have a bunch of interesting and i think somewhat different articles to talk about today and the first one is what to do with those empty wine bottles you know sometimes people get very crafty and uh you know like to either upcycle things or just use things that they have around the house as a, a way of sort of reducing their consumption and their footprint and i know we've talked a bunch about what to use with the what to do with your old wine corks but we've never really talked about what to do with your old wine bottles so i thought this was sort of interesting and fun it was a good article and i liked how they they said upcycling the wine bottle because most of us just recycle. Well, I hope we recycle at the curb. I know my uh, trash man, when he picks up my recycling bin, Kim, it's making a lot of uh, clanging noises with wine bottles. Every <laughs> yeah, week, so. mine too. But they had a good take on this, how to reuse those bottles instead of mm-hmm. recycling them. And I guess I had to ask you right away, Kim, do you upcycle any wine bottles or are you mostly just recycling? Mostly just recycle, but I think that's just because of, you know, the quantity that goes through my house, <laughs> because I do tend to bring, you know, some things home from work that are mostly consumed and I get like the last glass out of the bottle. I actually thought this article, which is from ingoodtaste.com, refers more to, it looked like these specialty uh, wine bottles and they're adorable. They're little and they're cute. And it got me thinking that, oh, you know, this wouldn't really just be about wine bottles, but you can think about other glass containers that you might get in the course of maybe like a subscription service, or if you buy specialty olive oils or things at like a specialty shop. So it, I think it's a really nice sort of bouncing off point for what are these other things that we can do with glass bottles to not throw them into recycling, but to do something else with them. We spent a lot of time telling our listeners about the different uh, glass, you know, the thicknesses of the glass bottles mm-hmm. and everything. And so what do you think is the best kind of do, uh, do-it-yourself project wine bottle to work with? You think the small like 375s or the big, huge things? or I think a half bottle. Um, or even like a single, like a smaller bottle, but there certainly are a lot of things that you can do with those larger bottles. Is that what you were referring to when you said the the size, you used the half Mm -hmm. bottle? Yeah, like a half bottle size. And I know that there are a number of like cocktail subscription services out there that will send you little four ounce or two ounce either mixes or, you know, interesting ingredients. So there are actually a lot of these littler bottles kind of out there. And you see that on restaurants, they use those little beer bottles. They upcycle those on the beer, on the tables with like salt, right? Mm -hmm. But it's interesting. I've never seen restaurants reuse the bottles for that, like the smaller wine bottles. And they Mm -hmm. go through a good amount of small size. Yeah, you would think. I mean, a lot of restaurants have half bottles on their wine list. So, you know, why not use them for olive oil and vinegar or salad dressings or, you know, to add a little something different to the table. So this article came with saying how first, if you wanted to take the labels off the wine bottles so you could do a project with them. And I've had experience 
with this. I was curious, have you ever attempted to remove the labels off a wine bottle? Oh, yeah. But not, but not to save them. Like there are a couple of like products out there on the market that, you know, if you have a collection of like the labels from fancy bottles that, that you've, you know, consumed, you can try to take off the label to preserve the label. I have never found that that works. So yeah, I'm usually that's just where like, I was going. Exactly. Soak my, I honestly, I just put my bottles of wine in or, you know, empty bottles in either the sink or some other large container with hot soapy water and, uh, and, and let that, let that do its work. So you're just scraping them off to get it off the bottle, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, mm-hmm. that's what they said. If you obviously, I think their point was how to just remove it. But go on your point about saving it years ago, if I had a special bottle, I always I bought those. They were like this adhesive sticker. You yeah, put it was like a, label, big, like a big clear sticker. You peel it off. And it was supposed to peel it right off. Never works. Half yeah, I, I never, or... I never ever really tried those. We used to sell them at, at the wine store. But yeah, that was Horrible. like a that was like a trendy thing for a while. People yeah. removing the the bot the labels from their bottles and then like saving them in like a portfolio. Or they had special books you could buy to put them yeah. in. It never worked. And it uh, over the years, I think they put more and more glue on those labels. And it, it definitely didn't work. But mm-hmm. so they had ideas of, like you said, soaking it. There's some solvents you could spray on it, or you could use dry heat, like a hair dryer, and, and I guess kind of burn it off, or it must dissolve the glue better. I think it it sounds like it melts the glue. I had never thought of doing that, but you know what? That's pretty clever. Makes sense. It totally it, does. Which in, in talking about it's hard to get off, but I don't understand how come sometimes I get wine in and I open the box and all the labels, they have like a bad glue issue or something. Has that ever yeah. happened to you? You take in a shipment and all of a sudden there's no labels on the balls or they just fall right off the yeah, bottle. Yeah, we used yeah. to find that would happen in the coolers all the time. Like wine labels, if they were in like a high, humid environment, like a, a walk-in refrigerator, that the labels would just start just peeling off. Not fun. Or get moldy, which is even worse. So let's talk about a couple of these ideas they had, how you can reuse them. And one of them's perfect for this time of year, the, the old tiki torch idea. And this one <laughs> this makes me cute. nervous, right? Because you have to buy some sort of flammable liquid, right? To put in there or to oil or something, right? Yeah, the, this one, the wick. Th- this was um, a lot more labor intensive <laughs> than I expected yeah. it to be. It's like you have to get actual like copper Lamp pieces oil. of things that you would have to buy at Tome Depot and all sorts yeah. of stuff. But copper I mean, couplings. I, I mean, it seems like it's, the like you said, the Home Depot, they're like four bucks and it, the, the labor to make this would be kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But it, it is a way to reuse the wine bottle, making tiki torches out of them. They also said something about plant propagation. And you, you've you used uh, wine corks for your plants, right? To, to kind of put in your garden, right? You were saying before you use corks somehow. Do have you ever used the wine bottles to I start planting? Used wine bottles. I had used plastic bottles once upon a time, but I think that wine bottles would actually be great. But only if they let. Well, I guess they wouldn't have to let light in because you're you've just got the roots of the plant in the bottle, and your leaves are up above. But I think that would look really pretty. You had a bunch of bottles and you've got plants starting in them because there are a lot of plants that you can propagate just by taking a cutting. And then soaking the bottom part of it in water for a while, and then the roots will start to form. And they said uh, you could put oils in them, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. vinegar. Have you you made? We talked about you making vinegar before. Yep. Have you ever put uh, the vinegar in the wine bottle? All obviously? the time. It's actually yeah. the thing that I upcycle my wine bottles See? for. So the there most. you go. 
You are yeah. using a lot yep. of apps. So I have, <laughs> I've got like, <laughs> you know, a whole bunch of them that I have to label because of course they have no labels on them. So it's like these mystery bottles that are in uh, my cellar. It's like, what is this stuff? Oh, it's red wine vinegar. And they mentioned cocktail mixers. You could put your, in the wine bottles and you, we talked about simple syrups in the past. Have you used it for that as well? Simple syrups or shrubs. I don't tend to make them in those large quantities because they don't last very long. You know, your simple syrup will go moldy like within a week of you making it. But um, yeah, for if you have those smaller bottles, absolutely. It makes more, I think, more sense. I know that I've got a few things where last summer I made like fruit infused uh, liqueurs. You either infuse vodka or grain spirits or even something like brandy with really whatever you want. You know, if you have a garden and you've got you know, I don't know, a raspberry patch or a blueberry patch or something like that. You know, you can take the fruit and you can cook it and you can add it to liquor and you can make your own fruit booze. And then those larger bottles are really excellent for uh, for keeping those things. And those keep for a long time. So the one thing I thought was interesting in this article that was missing that I thought would be the perfect reuse of a wine bottle was a candle. And that, I don't know yeah, if you've seen like, this. Because that's like that traditional, you know, you stick a candle in one of those old school Chianti fiasco bottles. Yeah, but not like using the whole, the, there's been like this trend I've seen on the internet where people buy those bottle cutters and they're cutting like liquor bottles or beer bottles and they then use the bottom base as a glass mm-hmm. or a candle. And I was thinking maybe it'd be a better upcycle idea. Instead of saving the labels, you have a special bottle, you just use that cutting tool, you cut it at the label, take the top off and fill it with wax and make a candle out of yeah. it. Yeah. But they didn't mention, I thought that was kind of a trending thing, but I you know, guess if, I'm, if, I'm behind the times. But if they're doing the you know thing with the tiki torch where you have to go out and buy, <laughs> buy stuff like, you know, to attach it to a wall, I would think that, uh, you know, something that's a, a cutter that can cut through glass <laughs> wouldn't be. Have too... you ever try, or tried that? Or seen I've that seen it, cutter? but I haven't tried it. And it would be great for us because, you know, we've got beeswax that we make candles out of. So, you know, it'd be really cool to put it in the bottom of a wine bottle. It supposedly makes the edge, you know, smooth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because it literally melts the glass. Yeah. But it's really, really hot. You know, it's got to be like thousands of degrees. Oh, really? I thought yeah. it was just like to, a, a slicing tool type. To thing. cut glass? No, it has yeah. to be hot. Really, really hot. Ah. Yeah. Wow. Didn't see that. Yes. At least the ones that I'm thinking of are. Maybe there are other ones you've seen. I've just seen, I mean, they just show this, you know, they, you put it on like a little stand and you rotate the bottle and it etches it, it cuts it, and then it supposedly comes out smooth. But mm. I don't I'm have to look it up. Well, we have to do something with all these wine balls and we're, we're drinking <laughs> here, Cam. I've come up with some sort of ideas, right? Reuse them, upcycle. Well, I'm going to look up that glass cutter tool and see if it actually does require high heat, or if it's something that maybe I need to get. You're listening to the wonderful world of wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. If you want more information about Kim, please go to her website at vinitaswineworks.com. If you like more information about myself, please go to franklinlickers.com. You can find all our past episodes on SoundCloud or iTunes. We're here every week on Franklin Radio WFPR 102.9 FM. Next, we have an article that was in Wine Enthusiast Magazine talking about what does salinity mean in wine? And I know a lot in the past, Kim, we've talked about minerality and saltiness in wine and having describing when you're tasting wine that you can have this 
salinity of a wine. And I had a, a whole, obviously, I always have a lot of questions for you, but salinity in the wine is also is like a mineral description of the wine. And I, lately, I've seen a trend where more and more descriptions are being said about wine and describing salinity. And I, mm-hmm. I was thinking, why has this not been like a big food pairing suggestion? We always talk about acid with wine and food pairing. Wouldn't it be great if you could pair salty or salinity in a wine to food? Isn't that like the ultimate thing for food pairing, the saltiness? Yeah. As one of those, you know, the things that we try to think about when you come to pairing food and wine, it's the balance and it's the flavors, but it's also that sweet and sour and and bitter. And yeah, salty needs to be in there too. And I, I feel like this is a newer way of describing wine. Like five years ago, no one with the exception of probably you know, some of the drier sherries that tend to have that saltiness as part of their traditional description. No one was talking about saltiness in wine. No one was talking about this word salinity. So I think that this is part of sort of a change because, you know, wine wine description terms, just like everything else, you know, have sort of trends and things that are popular at one point and then not popular at another point. And I think right now there seems to be this move away from just this overarching word minerality to describe sort of all these things. And, and people have really latched on to saltiness or salinity or those words that really get across this idea of there's something salty in the wine. And, and I think it's, uh, I don't know, because I don't often get that concept of there's saltiness to this wine. You know, it's kind of a hard one for me to wrap my brain around, maybe because I'm kind of traditional when it comes to how I describe my wines, or I just haven't been able to put necessarily my finger on it yet. I can relate to that. And our listeners are probably saying to themselves, what what are they talking about? They talking about my wine. (laughs) I mean there's certain wines you'll never obviously get this character in the wine. And you had a great point. This is something when I first heard it, there was one, I forget what society was using on their tasting grid. They would say, what's the salinity? And I'm like, what? It's the first mm-hmm. time I was ever really opened up to it. But on the same note, I have that same issue with herbs or herbalness in, in a wine. So when I first heard about this salinity, I was then focusing on that because I never recognized it before. And so like you said, it's something, it's not in a lot of wines. It's usually in wines that are grown close to the ocean is because it gets that saltiness on the grapes from the ocean breezes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So for some of those, you know, grapes that are grown close to the ocean, that makes sense. A quote from one of their their writers who was making the argument that salinity and acidity are similar. And I don't necessarily agree with that. The quote was, suggest a kind of piercing acidity that a spritz of lemon would have and a hint of brine or salinity that a squeeze of lime and a pinch of salt would give to a dish. And those two things are very different, saltiness and sourness. So I'm not really in agreement with this writer that those two things are the same. You know, I think they are different from each other and I would not associate necessarily high acid with this concept of saltiness. Those two just are not the same thing to me. And I don't think 
I don't think they're the same thing when you have them in a food dish. There's that difference between the lime and the salt. And yes, they might go together, but they're not the same thing. Yeah, I agree with that. I think when you're tasting, the acidity is something that hits you kind of right away. And then the saltiness to me kind of lingers on the finish of the wine and almost like a texture to the wine. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that, Kim. And you mentioned- Sometimes there are these wines that kind of remind you of like the seashore. And I know that I sometimes get wines that will almost have like a um, seaweedy kind of a aroma or flavor to them. And I know that probably sounds very off-putting <laughs> to, to a lot of pe- of our listeners out there, but, you know, sometimes it's very pleasant. Think about like, you know, sushi wrappings and just that little bit of seaweed around the rice and how that little bit of almost veg- vegetable, vegetalness <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. the saltiness together is very, very pleasant. And I do sometimes get that in some wines. So, you know, every once in a while I'll be like, oh, smells like nori <laughs> in my tasting notes. But like you had said before, you know, this is not something that you find all over the place. They're often in this very specific style or type of, of especially white wines. They did mention something that the salinity can also be related to when, how or when the grapes ripen and when mm-hmm. they're fermented. Did you follow that? I've this never heard that before. to come back to the acidity part of it, where they're equating this saline taste with acid and the so level of acid and yeah so it's that, a I'm low not, uh, ripe low ripen i think grape so that would have yeah. more acid yeah that if they're not fully ripe that you might get this sort of saline flavor to it but i mm, my brain is not making that it didn't make sense with the acidity because i no. thought it said that the riper the fruit showed more salinity and usually in it's the opposite way, right? Because the lo- the less ripen, usually the higher the acid, right? Yeah. So they're saying so that, that, that if, if a wine is made with with riper fruit, it's will it will be softer, and then the wine will show salinity. So I don't really know what they're talking about. This is not making much sense to me. It's something it, people should be aware of because, I, like we started saying with the food, I see great food pairing suggestions based on if you know a wine has a lot of salinity in a dish to either beef up the salinity mm-hmm. of the dish or to complement the salinity. You right, mentioned right. sherry was one of these type of wines that can have this. What about, they? I think they mentioned uh, muscadet. We talked about- Yeah, with muscadet, um, vermentino from Sardinia. So it's interesting because a lot of these specific wines that are mentioned in this article are really excellent food wines. So I think that really does play off that idea of what you're talking about, where you know a pinch of salt to a dish can make all the difference. So a wine like this can also sort of serve that that role, um, whether it's because it's got this sort of salty character to it or because it has nicer acidity. And sometimes just that, just like with that little bit of salt, if you throw a little dash of balsamic vinegar or um, a squeeze of lemon, you know, you can really brighten up a dish and make it so that there's just a little something extra to it that that raises the the level of the quality of the food. We agree that it salinity is a form of minerality description in the wine, correct? That's that's how I view it. That it, you know, it's the overarching descriptive term could be mineral, then salinity would be not all minerally wines have salinity, but all wines with salinity have minerality. I thought was missing was there was no relationship to like a soil. I know that it's more like, oh, if it's by the ocean, then maybe there's this association between the actual ocean 
and the seawater and your grapes, but not necessarily like, oh, if you are growing grapes in a particular soil type, then it might show this type of personality. Which I thought there has to be some sort of soil that is a higher salinity. That Maybe there just hasn't been enough research yet onto it. I always, I, like you mentioned some Vermentino, I've, I always detect this in a lot of Italian whites because mm-hmm. most of them are right there mm-hmm. close. To oh, the and the Greek ones. They mentioned um, yeah, yeah. white wines from the Greek islands. Um, I think it was the Sertico that they mentioned. And I often do find this aroma or this flavor in some of those wines because they're all grown practically within sight of the ocean. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, you don't really detect, but you have detected it. Right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily get it in the in the muscadets, um, but but yes yes to the vermentinos, and I would say yes to the acerticos. What's your go to explanation? Someone says I heard this about wine that there can be salt in wine. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say? So I would start with the conversation of minerality, but then I would try to make a connection between other things that have that smell and taste. So be like crushed seashells or like that example that I pulled that I used with um, with the seaweed or the nori, you know, that there are these, some of them that are food and some of them that are more things that you could just smell where you can kind of get the association between what that thing smells and or tastes like and some of these characteristics that you might be picking up in the wine. Do you think when you do detect it, when you're drinking a wine that you can put it in like a plus minus, like it's a, a lot of salinity or it's a little salinity? Because I don't know. I don't know if I'm that good at identifying it yet that I'd to, be able to say it has a lot versus a little. So that's I, I just want to get to that because you were talking about the comparing it to, to acidity. For me, when I detect the saltiness, the salinity, it's it's there. It's 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 always kind of high because you're detecting okay. it. You know what so I mean? It's, so it's either, detect- it's either an on or off as opposed yeah. to a variable thing for you. Th- that's the way I detect yeah. it. And when, when a lot of the tasting grids, people say minus acidity or plus acidity. To me, it's like it's there. I think it should just be more, it's detect salinity. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, I, of- and I think that I agree with you that I... I don't know that I would necessarily be able to say, oh, this has just a hint of acidity, you know? I mean, not acidity, but salinity. Um, or maybe I would, I don't know. I guess I need to taste more of these wines and, and focus on it more, you know, it's, instead of just being like, oh, this is a, a passing thing, but this is going to be part of our new wine description lexicon that I should, uh, I should have a little bit more experience <laughs> with it. You're like me though, when we talk about it, we, it, we're putting acidity in salinity in the same mm-hmm. <laughs> we're mixing it up right yeah. <laughs> but i think it'd be a good like uh, new like education thing to do to really find these wines that have really pronounced salinity to show people that it's in the wine yeah or to so, be able to point out to them this is this is what we're talking about so then you can recognize it again at a different time when you you know taste other wines without us around yeah, I hope we didn't scare everybody. With, you know, <laughs> I, I know the this acid. Was, this was one of the geeky ones, wasn't it? Well, no, I mean, in the past, we always say these terms that I think scare people. Acidity definitely always, I think, scares people. You talk about that many times. Yeah. But this is another one where, you know, salt. You don't want people now coming up and saying, I don't want salt and, you know, mm-hmm. salinity. I don't want that in my wine. Right. So. And people should understand that there's not salt added to the wine. Talk about this sometimes when we're talking about fruit flavors in wines. It's like when, when we're talking about we're noticing hints of cherry, that doesn't mean that 
the winemaker added cherries. It's all about the changes to the juice during fermentation. So we're not talking about anybody adding salt to it. You know, sometimes you can get, and, and I wonder if this is a similarity when we were talking about those wines that are grown close to the ocean and the the salt, you know, the saltiness of the air that maybe the grapes do pull in a little bit of salt physically through their skins, kind of like when you have Australian grapes. And if they're close to eucalyptus groves, that the the oils from the eucalyptus trees actually float through the air and can land on the grape skins and be absorbed by the grapes. So I wonder if, and I'm just, you know, totally spitballing here because I have not done any research on this. I wonder if that is a part of finding the salinity in some of these wines that are grown close to the ocean. Maybe there is a physical presence of salt that the grapes have pulled from their environment. Yeah, that's what they say. It blows on onto the grape mm-hmm. skins and then mm-hmm. runs to the wine. But-, but like, I wonder if, you know, has there been scientific research that that is, a, that that is what happens? I don't know. Yeah. Well, you, you, gave me an idea for an experiment now. When people drink beer, I know this was a big thing in the past, they used to add salt to their beer, correct? What was the reason for that? Was that for the bitterness of the the beer or the the foam of the beer? I don't know. I never understood why. I've never heard about adding salt to beer. The only thing I can think of is that it would cut down on the bitterness because salt, um, you know, salt and saltiness and bitterness are opposites, just like sweet and sour are opposites. So that's the only thing that I I remember years ago, Beer oh. salt and people adding salt to no. their, their beer. And I was wondering what would be the effect if we did put table salt in some of the wine. So say hmm. something's really tannic. If we put salt, would it take away the, the tannin or the bitterness? Or- I don't think it would take away the feeling of the tannins, but I think it might negate some of the bitterness. Sure. We'd have to try this out. Yeah. What about with the sparkling? Well, people, put, people put salt in their more. coffee to cut some of the bitterness. So why not red wine? Yeah. So I'm assuming that's what they do with beer, but yeah, I, I, just, I, I, I would I, think so. You know, the, the bitterness from like an overly hopped beer. I'd be curious what it does to like a sparkling wine as far as the the bubbles, the carbonate. Mm. Would it would it make it foam more? Or... Ooh, I have to play so around. many experiments we could try. Yeah. I'm sure it's not good for our health to just you know, put dashes <laughs> of salt and stuff, but and would the salt actually dissolve in the wine? <laughs> I think yeah. it's a bigger question. Is just going to float to the bottom of the glass? Interesting experiment. Well, you know, when they wine making, I, I, I have to check now the the approved list of ingredients that winemakers can put in wine. But I wonder if there's some sort of salt on there for some, and then to find out what reason it would be put in, because mm-hmm. we know there's a lot of acids and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I'll have to look at the list. Yeah, we got a cool. lot of too. Well, keep us updated with what you find. We should have been prepared more for this. this. <laughs> prepared for the salty wine question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next time, we'll figure it out. That's right. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us today for The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Mark Lenzi and Kim Simone. As always, you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Leave us your questions and comments, and we will join you again next week. Cheers. Cheers.